This is the All Sports Podcast devoted to your favorite teams in North Texas. Welcome to Ballsy, a production of the Dallas Morning News and Sports Day. Our weekly show is proudly hosted. Okay, strike that. Our show is hosted by Kevin Sherrington, Evan Grant, and myself. I'm David Moore, and who knows, maybe we'll have a special guest or two along the way. Catch other episodes by subscribing to the Ballsy Podcast on iTunes. We're also on social media. Just search Ballsy Podcast on Facebook and Twitter, and you'll be notified of the latest episode. Don't forget, it's Ballsy with a Z. Are you ready, sports fans? Ballsy starts now. Hello, everybody, and welcome in to the Sports Day DFW Dallas Morning News podcast. We like to call it Ballsy. I'm sure you don't like to call it that, but um, nevertheless, we will soldier on here. Uh, I am Evan Grant. I am joined by David Moore. David, how are you? I'm David. I am not Kevin Sherrington, who will not be with us on today's podcast. Um, He's unavailable. Kevin says he's unavailable. Uh, He's unobtainable. He's many things. He's many unwords. But but we'll be in better shape. We also should be in better shape since we essentially did a dry run yesterday. <laughs> um, and some technical- well, a lot of things changed since we talked yesterday. This is true. This is very true, and we'll get to that in just a second. But we did do a dry run yesterday. We talked about uh, the latest on how sports are going to be impacted uh, by the by reopening and different leagues' attempts to get started. And uh, we do have a lot of news to report in in the last 24 hours. And where should we start, David? Well, let's start with the fact that the Dallas Stars have made the playoffs. Do you want to start there, Evan? Yeah, that's uh, that's fine. I I, I think that uh, the idea that the NHL would um, would go right into the playoffs, I think, uh, makes the most sense if they're going to play. Um, a uh, little bit uh, to me, the interesting things are that the NHL is is exploring the. I think what's really interesting here is if you look at the three leagues, the NBA, the NHL, and Major League Baseball, they all seem to be committed to different types of um, models. Uh, yeah, yeah. The uh, the NBA, which hasn't firmed anything up, is is looking at a at a isolation bubble. Um, the NHL announced yesterday that it's looking at, at what amounts to a two-city hub, uh, and um, Major League Baseball is looking at teams playing in their in their own home parks and traveling as usual to to schedules. So um, the NHL announced yesterday that they will uh, they will have two ten-team hubs, correct? Yes, I believe so. And uh, yeah, twenty-four team. Again, it, it, it's very interesting. We're talking about these teams. Uh, and they're, you know, phasing back in to play. And when you really dig down what the NHL yesterday was, give its process and what the structure would look like with absolutely no timelines on when they might attempt a comeback, which is very interesting because you got them talking, you have, okay, well, so-and-so. So now in all these cities, it's like, okay, well, this is a playoff team. This is what the format's going to be. Uh, this is how you can play your way back in. Uh, the you know the stars have a first round bye, but they can play during this period and and improve their position 
from a number four seed up to a number one potentially. And so you got fans excited about the prospect of, oh, this is what the NHL is going to look like when it comes back. But then if you step back from that, they just began phase two, I believe, yesterday, which is six players can be on the ice at any one time, uh, no more, and you have to conduct those shifts, basically, who's at the uh, venue or, or the arena, uh, no more than six at any one time, restricted number of personnel. And Gary Bettman, the commissioner of the NHL, said yesterday that um, they had no – uh, they were giving no dates whatsoever when they were attempting this, other than to say, I thought this was interesting, uh, you know, I think everyone believes we'll be able to play in late summer and early fall. So we gave you an idea of what they're looking at. And uh, part of that structure is is to avoid a, a potential second wave coming uh, later in the fall. So... Uh, but yeah, also talked about two hubs, and Dallas is potentially one of the hub cities. Yeah, there were 10 cities that were finalists. What, what was interesting was um, Los Angeles is listed as one of the uh, potential hub cities, and neither of the LA-based teams would be in the playoffs. Um, but again, it doesn't, you're just looking for good sheets of ice at this point in time because you're not going to be having fans in, in the state. You won't have fans, and they brought up the point of, of to balance it. You may be a hub city, and you may be sent somewhere else. Right. which didn't make a lot of sense from a, a logistics standpoint, but I, I get it. You have to balance it out. So the um, I, I, one thing that Bettman did say, I believe was that the training camps would not start before July one. And yes. so you're talking about not resuming the season until early August. Uh, I, I didn't see how he said it would impact the 20, the 2021 season or the start for that season. But certainly seems like hockey would be butting up against the elimination of its entire offseason. For sure. If you're, and if you're talking about playing into the early fall with your Stanley Cup playoffs, uh, that is September and, and potentially even uh, early October. And so, yeah, that is infringing on the start of when your regular season would be. And, you know, this is, this is something that, that NHL and NBA specifically are going to have to deal with is how much longer before can they wait before it encroaches and compromises not only this season but next season and are they what are they going to do here what is their you know what do their stakeholders want uh what do their uh what do the players want what do the owners want do they want uh next season to be as untainted potentially by this as possible understanding this season has already been disrupted in, in, in these two sports, uh, and also baseball too, which we'll get into here in a second. Um, or do you just say, you know what, let's, we'll just do what we can here to, to crown a champion for the 1920 season. And, and let's ensure that, uh, that the 2021 season is as close to form uh, as, as we can have. And, and that's the best way to proceed. Well, I, you know, and I, I, I wonder what the, it, what the thought process would be is, if, is, are they betting that there could be a vaccination, say, at the first of the year, and if you can create your hockey offseason in October, November, potentially um, you can avoid, you can avoid a, a, a stoppage in, in the 2021 season. Um, but there are, there are a lot of questions that are going to have to be answered on, on that front. 
Uh, and I, I think the, the idea of prepping for a second shutdown um, across these leagues that, that run into the winter time are going to be are going to be significant. So um, uh, I, I think the NHL is taking a very conservative approach in terms of when they get back on the ice and all of that. Uh, they're trying to make sure that uh, that we're we're definitely on the downside of the curves in the cities that they 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 decide to play in. Uh, but I, I will be real curious to see how this impacts what the the league can do in 2021. Yeah, and uh, touch on basketball for a second again. Different concept. The NBA is going to be a bubble concept where all of the teams will will be in Orlando. Uh, it'll be much like the summer leagues where you have several teams out there and, and they'll keep everyone together. I'm sure it will be an, an abbreviated into the regular season then go quickly into the playoffs. And once you're eliminated, you leave the bubble. So uh, you're going to have fewer people as the playoffs go on. And um, it, it's an atmosphere you can control. But again, um, you know, at least the NHL and the NBA are at points of their season where they can realistically talk about quarantining the entire league for a finite period of time. Uh, baseball is not in that position, and uh, football is not really in that position, but, but baseball specifically, because the season should have already be underway, uh, this is what they're wrestling with. And, and, and what do you feel about the the initial volley of uh, negotiation, how this opened up in this critical week, uh, determine what's going to happen with MLB. Well, I, I, um, I'd like to say that I'm disappointed in what the owner's proposal was yesterday, but um, knowing how negotiations, knowing the barest of, of bones of how negotiations work in the history between the owners and the players, I, I'm I'm not surprised. Let's say that um, I, I think that what you saw come out from Major League Baseball, and we saw several players step up on on Twitter yesterday and and express some some real frustration that these fig that these these figures have been leaked before the general um, before they got to see them. Yeah, the players' association had seen it, um, but you're talking about some really dramatic pay cuts for guys in particularly the guys that you're most trying to market the guys like Mike Trout who would stand to make a little bit less than 20% of what his um full season contract would have been baseball's baseball came to the players and instituted this kind of sliding scale that that essentially taxes guys for the more they earn um and at the top, Trout, who's the highest paid player in the game, is is due a little bit over $37 million for the course of a full season. Under the under the proposal, according to what I saw yesterday, he would get, he would earn a little bit less than $6 million. So um, it's a, it, it's a, it's a, it's really a, a stunning um, uh, amount of, uh, of, of a cut for these players. But what I've said all for the along. players at the top, and the, and uh, what what I found it interesting. I mean, this was by this proposal, the league was really willing to kind of, from a public relations standpoint, hang this on their most marketable players, saying 
well, you're the ones who are going to have to absorb the hit. And if you don't, are you willing to tell, you know, the fan base that we're just not going to have a season? Are you willing to tell the rest of your teammates that, that you weren't, that you aren't willing to sacrifice disproportionately in, in order to make this work? It's a, it's a, it's a very harsh uh, negotiating stance to take with your star players, it seems to me. Well, I, and ultimately here, I don't know that there's anything wrong with the concept. It is, to me, again, it's, it's the numbers. Um, sure. And the important part about that, and, and as I said to several people yesterday, is where we are on Tuesday afternoon and where we are on Friday afternoon are likely to be two wholly different places. Um, but certainly the first offer to the, the, the first counter offer to the players um, doesn't come with a real element of, uh, I, I don't know what the right word is. It, it, An olive branch or conciliatory or, or you know, I'm not collaborative, sure. not a real collaborative. <laughs> I'm not sure what it offers the players as an incentive. I mean, it basically comes yeah. with players as, well, you can, you can make some money or no money this year. Um, and, and I do think that for, ba- for Major League Players Union to get something out of this, I think that it would be important for the stars at the top of the league to take heavier cuts than sure. it would for the guys who are earning um, well, be- well below a million dollars and try and protect those guys, keep them as close to whole as possible, and so that when you go into the next collective bargaining agreement uh, negotiating stance in 21, that you've got loyalty from what, what really amounts to your full base. I, I think that that's going to be important. Um, but Major League, Major League Baseball is going to have to amend these figures that they've, that they've proposed to, to the players in order to get any kind of buy-in and not divide the players. Now, I mean, the, I, and, and listen, I'm sure that's part of their, their procedure is they'd like to weaken the union. And if they can get the union to fight amongst itself between the players who say, look, I need to play. We got to play. You know, if I, I, I haven't made a bunch of money in my life, if I can make $250,000 this year, I need to play. And the guys who are saying, I've worked all my life to get to this position. And now you want me to take 18 cents on the dollar. Um, that, that creates a whole lot of friction in the union. And, and the, you know, the, the owners would like nothing better than to drive a wedge between the union. So it's a, it's a very delicate balance there that, that has to be struck. But I think, that, I think that the players at the top of the scale would ultimately be willing to make a little bit more sacrifice. But this isn't a little bit more sacrifice. This is, this is a tremendous... Um, uh, this is a tremendous cut. This is make a, making a statement and setting a tone of not really a collaborative negotiation. I mean, this was, you know, and we've talked about this. I mean, that there has been rancor between uh, the, the two sides for a long time. And when you're in a situation like this, you know, I, I firmly believe it either accentuates the fissures that are already there and and more cracks appear or if you have a good business relationship it really strengthens strengthens it because there's a trust there that you just build on and both sides go from there and it, it just appears to me that what we saw was 
a kind of a the, the lack of trust that exists between the two with the initial uh, the initial offer here yesterday. And and look, you also get down to this is very real. Yes, the owners make a lot more money, and who assumes the risk, the the bulk of the risk in in an unforeseen situation like this? It's usually ownership. It's not the players. Now uh, again, uh, all businesses you say this and there's always a trickle down and we've seen where there are layoffs and, and furloughs. I saw Baylor Scott White is going to lay off 3% of the morning news has going to lay off 3% of its employees uh, across in the area here. Um, all businesses have to make difficult decisions. Pro sports is a little bit different. You just can't lay off your, your employees because you have to have your certain roster size and, and you have to fill in th these positions. So they're immune from that. But the whole point of ownership is with, with greater reward comes greater risk. And, uh, you know, I think the, the union is going to be sitting there going, well, wait, you, you absorb the, the lion's share of this risk, not us. I mean, we're going to help you here. But you still have a contractual obligation to us unless you want to, say, try to get out of the contract and then we're all free. Eight. I mean, you know, it, it's – Again, that's draconian. It's not going to get to that point. But uh, the, the, these are the underlying issues here. Yeah, I mean, and, and, and again, my, my perspective, if I'm the players, is I am willing to give up some degree of a, a further cut this year, which would essentially mean that based on the contracts I signed and expected to be completely rock solid, I would end up taking less than 50 cents on the dollar. Um, but – there's got to be some element of partnership here. Um, the league has to be willing to make some kind of concessions. And from the player's standpoint, all the concessions that I want are to put myself in a better position for the 2021 negotiations um, and, and, and to win at that point in time. Because there's nothing that you can really win here. Um, the only The only thing that happens is Either we don't, either we play baseball, which everybody is saying America needs, and blah 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 blah. And you've heard all those talking points, or everybody loses. Um, the owners lose money, the players lose money, um, and the fans lose the opportunity to to have that diversion at a point in time when I, I think it would be very much um, beneficial. So uh, I, I think it's going to be incumbent here upon upon the Players Association to submit a counteroffer uh, that is um, that, that's a little bit more equitable and that aims to get some, some more concessions from the owners uh, when it comes to opening up books and determining revenues uh, for, the, for, the long, for the long view. If, if this was like one of the first salvos in a true collective bargaining situation, I would understand what the owners did. But it's not. And like you're saying, this, this is a different sort of negotiation because neither side is negotiating to win. Uh, both sides are negotiating to salvage the season and, and to uh, absorb, knowingly absorb financial hits, but to minimize it as much as possible. This is about salvaging the season. It's not about either side winning. And the because neither side can win this all. all only both sides can lose. You can only salvage things or both sides lose. So there's not a true winner in this in my mind. So to me, that frames the discussion differently 
which is why I was so surprised to see the the, the tone uh, uh, of the of the presentation that that the owners made yesterday. Well, I, mean, I think that there are you know there are two elements there for me. Is is one, you don't get to be a billionaire by um, being by, nice. <laughs> well, you don't get to but, be a billionaire by yeah. not considering negotiation sport. Sure, um, this is sport for the owners, and uh, they intend they they go at it with as as competitive a perspective as the players go at games. So whatever whatever bad deal may be out there for both sides, the owners want to make sure that they get the better of the two bad deals. The less bad deal, yes. Yeah. Um, the second part is, you know, there's there's no. Nobody ever comes and and, and and negotiates with absolute transparency. And certainly what the owners are trying to do, at least on the surface it appears, is create some divisiveness inside the union to further weaken the union um, for the next round of negotiations. And uh, that's just, that again, that's how business works and it's, it's ugly, and it's it's um, it's not what anybody really wants to be hearing at this point in time. And you know, I I get that there's a lot of the general public that has lost has lost jobs altogether, or have have received significant pay cuts. Um, but I would still think that the idea that uh, that these players, even if they're making um, a highly compensated amount of money that people would identify with the idea, look, this is a more than 50% pay cut. And that is just significantly, it, it's significantly unfair on one level. And when you ask the players to do what they're, what they're now being asked to do, it's, it's not, it goes beyond being unfair. It, 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 it's almost punitive. So um, I, I, there's a lot of work to be done. I, I talked to one player yesterday who, asked me for, for my thoughts and, and what I said is my, my perspective on this is, you know, you can get caught up in the rhetoric of today, tomorrow and Thursday, but when this gets real, we'll be late Friday afternoon and these guys will then have to negotiate into the weekend and probably into Monday. But I still feel like there's just too much to be lost uh, for these guys to not end up playing. Um, as we've noted, Korea is playing its league. Japan is playing its league. Certainly, there's not as much money at stake with each with, with each of those. But if the other leagues are finding ways to logistically do it, then Major League Baseball has to find a way to to execute a plan as well. Yeah, but again, it's not and it's not just it's not just the financial arrangement. It is what are going to be the health and safety and the procedural elements in place too that both sides are going to have to agree on so there's there's a lot of work there's a lot of ground to cover here uh in these next seven to eight days and uh, you know again you just you don't want it to be unnecessarily flammatory to start because that's going to delay you getting down to okay now now both sides postured you know we got our emotional we got to then emotionally, now let's get down to it. And it's like, well, you know, that needed to be separated from this in my mind. You just needed to, to dig in yesterday. And, and there is time. I understand negotiations, but this is going to be in a compressed time. And I just don't know if you want to raise the specter of 
each side's hot button issues that you react to just instinctively at the start. And, and it seems to me that's what happened yesterday. Yeah, I, I don't know that there's anybody, I don't know that there's anybody outside of the group of 30 owners and, and some negotiating members of Major League Baseball's commissioner's office who feel like this was a good starting point. You know, I, I the general public, the players, um, I wouldn't be surprised if, if team front offices don't think it's, it's a bad starting point because it just doesn't, it, it, this is a time when, when the two sides need to build some trust. Um, you cannot be trying to win a negotiation in the middle of a national crisis. And uh, it, it just, to me, it, it, it again shows that you're dealing with people who are on a level who are out of touch with, with some of what the, um, the general population faces right now. And I'll give you, um, you know, to me, the most distasteful thing of everything that I saw yesterday, David, was that um, the Oakland A's announced that they're not going to continue $400 a week payments to their approximately 200 minor leaguers. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, oh, the minor leaguers cannot then file for unemployment because they are under contract. They just simply aren't getting paid. Um, and if you went and calculated exactly what it would take to pay these minor leaguers for the next three months, the, the course of the minor league season, at that $400 a week rate, uh, it would cost a million dollars. And uh, the, the A's owner is, is, a, has, is worth $2 billion. And it's hard for me to think that he could not, this, you know, it's one thing when you're talking about $150 million or something like that, but it's hard for me to believe that this, that, that this guy could not put his hands on a million dollars to say, look, we just want to make sure you guys have something to eat every day. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, that to me is, is reprehensible. And I think for the Rangers here, you know, every, every crisis presents an opportunity. The Rangers have spent the last year trying to say that they wanted to put together a first-class organization. They built the, the new dorm in Surprise, Arizona, uh, for the cost of, I believe it was $14 million or $12 million. That includes a top-of-the-line, something that nobody's ever seen in, in, in Major League Baseball, kind of sports science lab. They built mm-hmm. a, a academy and dorm in the Dominican Republic at a similar cost. Um, and they put $700 million of their money into, into the ballpark that, that is supposed to open. Um, and that's all great. And when you're flush with cash, it's easy to try and, quote, unquote, run a first-class organization. But here you are now facing a crisis. And what you can do is make sure you pay your minor leaguers, that you keep your people employed. And with Oakland and and Anaheim both taking rather draconian measures in terms of furloughs and layoffs as of June 1, the teams, especially in the American League West, that step up and say, we're going to invest pennies on the dollar right now on our people, on our staff, and guarantee that, yes, in times of trouble, this this remains a good place to work. Those teams are going to reap a benefit in the long term. And, And there is an opportunity there for the Rangers ownership to, to make that commitment to their people. I'll be real interested to see how that plays out. Yeah, I agree. There, there are going to be organizations that distinguish themselves or elevate themselves in the eyes 
of athletes during this and how they conduct business. And uh, that will have ramifications long after this, I think. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I'll just give you a, a, another example. The, the, the draft is going to be five rounds this year. Uh, that's certainly not enough to stock the bottom of your, your player development system. Uh, this year is going to be a little bit different, but the the idea is that there's going to be a lot of free agents that could be that could be signed, non-drafted free agents that could be signed for a maximum of twenty thousand dollars. Well, if you're going to sign those guys, you've got to, and you're going to try and get them out of a junior college commitment or or a or a Division two commitment or something like that. You've got to demonstrate to them that hey, this is a place you do want to come play. You're going to convince anybody if you're the open days to come and play. Yeah, we'll give you 20,000 bucks up front, but you're not getting anything else this year. And here, here are all the guys who, who believed in us and signed last year and they're not getting paid. I mean, every team in the big leagues is going to use that against them. Um, when you get to a situation, particularly this winter, when you've got to sign six year minor league free agents and you, you've got guys who can become minor league free agents. I, I, I expect there will be, a mass departure from Oakland, providing other teams don't follow suit here. Um, there will be a mass departure from Oakland. And, and they've also instituted pretty significant furloughs. And I think you could see a brain drain there if somebody decides, hey, we'll, we'll pick some guys up. So um, I just, I find it really difficult to accept that a team would tell these players, hey, we're not gonna pay you $400 a week, but also, you're not really eligible for unemployment. I mean, these guys have, have no ability right now, to, but, but to go yeah. out and try and take risky jobs in an environment where it's, it's hard to hire. It's so, hard to get a job, yeah, with the it, unemployment rates going up. It's a really bad situation, um, and uh, I, I can only hope that this doesn't set a, uh, a trend for other teams to follow. Well, we mentioned three of the professional, major professional sports leagues. We haven't talked about the NFL. Um, they, they get to sit behind and see, you know, how this unfolds. And, and that's a really an en enviable position because everyone is dealing with so many unknowns. Uh, some things are going to work. Some things aren't as, as all of these leagues get back up and running. And it, it's been time from the NFL standpoint to this point where it hasn't impacted their the business of the league they've been able to conduct that on time and uh Stephen Ross Miami owner uh was on CNBC yesterday and uh on Monday Tuesday excuse me and said that uh um all all the internal discussions are that they anticipate the season will start on time uh the question is will there be fans or what level what percentage of fans will be allowed into stadiums but they're really proceeding as if that's the only question on the NFL at this point. And again, you're still talking, you're still two months away from the start of training camp. And you could adjust that by, you know, slicing off some of the preseason games and starting camp a little bit later if you need. So, um, it, and it's not that the NFL is not doing its due diligence and preparing for a season and, and putting protocols in place. But it's very clear that NHL, NBA, and potentially Major League Baseball are all going to be back uh, competing, certainly training in a, in a team setting and competing before the NFL has to even hit training camp. And, and there's, there's a lot for them to learn on that because, again, I think, I think where things are now, 
it's best to be at the back end of the curve, not at the beginning of the curve in, in trying to um, blaze this path back to competitive athletics. You know, last week when we talked about sports, and I, I, I said that from a, from a logistical standpoint, in terms of just staging the game, I thought the NFL would, would be the most difficult of the games to stage just because of, of scrums and, and the number of people. But from a business standpoint and from exactly the example you just cited, uh, the NFL is in a good situation. A, they'll be the one league that hasn't had its season impacted in any way, shape, or form. Um, B, they will have uh, certainly the, uh, the opportunity to watch the things that go right and wrong in all the other leagues when they start. Um, and uh, you know, they're, they have been able to conduct remarkably. I mean, they've been able to conduct business basically as usual. It's, it, the amazing thing is that free agency and the draft all went off as planned. Well, not entirely as planned, but on time, um, full length. All these mm -hmm. things were played out in, in, in their normal manner. And uh, yeah, there have been some issues about getting a free uh, a rookie mini camp and maybe some OTAs, but I, I think that um, uh, I, I think that the league can get by without that at this point in time, um, and, and they have the ability to just kind of sit back and say, okay, let's let's digest everything that's gone on here, and when we decide to get back on the field, we will have the best practices in place of, of all four leagues. Yeah, and while they're, um, again, they, they still have a tremendous amount of fans, and some franchises are impacted more by losing fans than others. The Cowboys being at the top of the list just because uh, AT&T Stadium is so large and because the, the luxury boxes and suites there are so lucrative, uh, they would lose a, a large percent of the contract. But one thing the NFL has going, the NFL has a better TV contract than the other sports. And and more of what goes into the paying the players and making the payroll and making money for a franchise in all three other sports is tied to how many people come through the turnstiles, how many people are at the games. Uh, it's all a different proportion and percentage with all of them. But but in-game fans are probably not probably, they do make up a bigger percentage of those other three sports than the NFL because the NFL's contract, TV contract, is so lucrative. So um, they, look, they're taking a big hit too. Uh, like I said, especially the, uh, the Cowboys in New England are at the top of that scale as far as what they make uh, will lose per game compared to other teams. And it really, uh, very few other franchises come close to what Dallas or New England will lose going forward. Uh, from, from what you see, from what Forbes has done and, and some others on the financial analysis. But um, again, they're in a position, they're in a position to weather this, I think, better than the other sports. Uh, but, but like you said, you brought up from, from a health standpoint, they may be in the most precarious position in, in a lot of ways. So it's, it's, it's interesting. All, each of the four has different issues that really pertain to them more than the others. And from a business standpoint and a procedural standpoint, while the NFL may be insulated a little bit better than the, than the other major professional sports, 
uh, I think that the, the health issues and uh, are going to be uh, more prevalent there than you have in the others. Sure, no, no, no two sports are exactly the same in that regard. I, the, the thing that, that I do find really interesting, um, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I've seen no conversations about, these, about all the other leagues in which fans would not be invited back into the park um, or the arena, whatever it may be, and some degree of a reduced schedule. I've seen no negotiations about prorating schedule, uh, salaries or um, reduced salaries for players. Am, am I incorrect there? At this point, no, there has, there has not been. Now, and again, what, what the NFL owners did last week was they, they basically borrowed against future earnings to insulate themselves on, on the idea that the cap would go down next year. Uh, but the cap is set for this year. Uh, the, the, the financial impact of this is more going forward than it would be this specific season as far as it involves the players and the percentage of the overall revenues uh, going forward. That's where the hit is, not necessarily this year as far as, as uh, adjusting this season. So, yeah, you're right. That, that hasn't been the case, and uh, um, which is one reason – that again, I think it's positioned a, a little bit better. But, but like you're saying here, we're, we're talking about the three other major professional sports leagues playing a season and wrapping up before the second wave hits. Well, the heart of the NFL season is going to be when the second wave hits. Right. So they're going to have to deal with something that the other uh, sports leagues aren't dealing with. Other than, you know, like we talked about earlier, basketball and hockey are going to have to talk about, okay, when do we start back up again? Are we going to delay the start of the next season coming out sure. of this? Well, um, we have certainly uh, exhausted all our um, league dynamics. For You for sound one. exhausted at the moment, actually. I am. I, 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 you know, the first year that I covered baseball absolutely full-time where it was where I was covering home and away and, and, and everything was 94 and was the start of the, the worst strike in baseball history. And labor talk just gives me the, the <laughs> biggest tired head that you could possibly imagine. It was not a fun time, both that and the replacement spring that followed. And it just – We've been fortunate the baseball's gone 25 years without labor issues. Um, it's going to be real unfortunate to me if, if these guys uh, mess up what's a, what is essentially a good thing. And we'll, we'll have a pretty good idea on that within this time next week when we get together, would you say? Well, when we get together this time next week, they'll either be right down to uh, hopefully dotting the I's and, and T's and informing players or – We'll be writing about no more baseball, which probably means been nice knowing you. <laughs> so I don't know. We'll see what where we are next week. Maybe maybe I'll the food beat will be calling me full time. <laughs> anyway, uh, we we will uh, hopefully we'll have Kevin back next week. Hopefully we fit into his schedule. Um, hopefully is a strong word. Yeah, you really want to say hopefully we have him back? He uh, may be back. Let's I just leave it at that. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, I'm going to run here. David, this has been great for all of us. Uh, Wonderful. 
out here and wherever we are to all of you out there and wherever you are uh hopefully let's sports so long everybody <laughs> <laughs>